Yokoya Port was a town easy to overlook. Situated on the edge of Whaletail Strait, it could have been a major restocking point for ships leaving one of the many harbors that supplied Amashu. But the strong, reliable, prevailing winds made it too easy and cost-effective for southbound merchants to cruise right past it and reach Shimsung Big Island in a straight shot. This is Ben Pruitt, and you are listening to Bending Not Breaking. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. You are listening to the premiere of our season on The Rise of Kiyoshi. There are 32 chapters, and my plan is to address each of these chapters one at a time in a similar format to our prior seasons. So if you haven't listened to all of our content covering Avatar The Last Airbender, covering The Legend of Korra, then I highly recommend checking those out because there's a lot of really good stuff, and that's really how we got started. Uh, If you're here, I imagine, though, that you have already listened to those and you are interested in joining us for the journey as we dive into the lore surrounding Avatar Kyoshi. And I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a really fun experience. I had a, a fun time looking into how to do these episodes, how to format them, and I imagine sometimes we'll have a guest and sometimes we won't. And Uh, I imagine, frankly, the majority of the time we will not have a guest, but uh, I'm excited to tackle these with you and be in conversation with you. So if you're listening and you want to uh, be in conversation, I I highly recommend reaching out uh, via all of our socials uh, at BNB underscore pod so that we can connect and have a conversation because this is a more fun experience in community than it is by ourselves. Uh, That said, uh, I am going to be spoiling the book. Uh, Just like our other episodes, we kind of walk into the conversations presuming that listeners have watched the show and in this case have read the novels. Uh, So we'll be talking about spoilers and if if they come up, sometimes they don't come up, but uh, considering that this is a practice of revisiting these chapters again and again and again, just like we have rewatched Avatar and rewatched Korra again and again and again. This is a, a practice of rereading these, these books and learning from them together. And so we expect that most of our listeners have read or that you don't mind spoilers. And you know, recently, FYI, I read that spoilers can actually enhance the initial experience. Uh, And so, I don't know, maybe you'll listen to it anyway if you haven't read the books. And I, you know, welcome that, but it is obviously your choice. And so uh, if you need to step away and go read the book and then come on back, please do. We would welcome that. So without further ado, we're going to dive on in to our lens discussion today. And I am excited to talk about all of these these cool things that happen in this chapter. But what we're doing is we're approaching the chapter through a lens of expectation. And 
in order to break down the lens in this new series, this new season of the show, what I want to do is I want to attack it from three different angles. One, I want to talk about the denotation of the word. So what is the literal definition? I also want to talk about the connotation, which is what everybody thinks it means. What does it mean in common parlance? How do we use it? And uh, we'll often, you know, bring up a few uh, famous quotes or things along those lines that'll help us understand the lens. In this case, again, expectation being the lens. And then if there is available theory on the lens or uh, something that's really proximate to the lens, I will bring in some theory that can help us understand a, a new way of thinking about the lens that will help us uh, broaden our understanding of it. And so those are the three things I, I hope to cover moving forward as we talk about our lens, and today is no exception. So uh, from the dictionary I got from Cambridge this time, I wanted to bring in three definitions uh, for the denotation, again, the written definition, the literal meaning of the word. So, according to Cambridge, there are three definitions here, uh, and many more that were listed, but these were the three that uh, were not seemingly redundant, and so I offer them to you uh, with a little bit of discernment. The first, the feeling that good things are going to happen in the future. The second, the feeling or belief that something will or should happen. And third, what you believe or hope will happen in the future. And so as I, as I read these, you know, literal definitions and thinking about what it literally meant, I was kind of surprised uh, because there's a overwhelming positive uh, assertion, according to the definitions here, of the feeling that good things are going to happen, uh, what you believe or hope will happen in the future. And I think that's really interesting to think about in terms of expectation, because in, in my understanding and in my use of the word, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of being good or bad, and I, I thought of it more of a neutral which is, I guess, what the second definition kind of suggests. Again, the feeling or belief that something will or should happen. And should is even a, a, an interesting question because, you know, what I expect something to happen doesn't mean I think it should happen. It just means that I thought it would happen. And so it's an interesting framing for these, you know, literal definitions from Cambridge, at least. And I used Cambridge because the ones from Merriam-Webster were also similar in their structure. And so that, that brings us kind of to the connotative meaning. And when I think about connotation and how it's used, I often think about expectations in terms of their relationship to like accountability. So like it's my expectation that you get this done by this time. And I, I think about it from that perspective. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring in a few quotes also to help us kind of get a better frame. This one's from Jamie Hallman, and it's from the book The Expectation Gap. Uh, Jamie writes, Peace is found where expectations meet grace. I thought that was an interesting one because, you know, peace 
is assuming that one is searching for peace rather is going to suggest that you need to kind of be lax with your expectations, which is really interesting, right? Because, you know, I think about like the same framing and other words that are synonyms, meaning like standards, like, oh, I have high standards when it comes to dating, for instance. So I, that means I essentially I have really high expectations of a, a future partner or uh, someone that I'm willing to be in relationship with. And if I keep those high expectations, then I'm not going to be peaceful. And that's what kind of Jamie Hallman is, is asserting here. But also, does that mean that you are, you know, dropping your standards? Is Do expectations do something for us in terms of holding us accountable to what we want and what we desire? And that's a really interesting framework, too. Uh, but I want to bring in another quote, and this one's from Confucius. And Confucius writes, If you expect great things of yourself and demand little of others, you'll keep resentment far away. Great things of yourself and little of others, you'll keep resentment far away. In, in other words, this feels like it's saying that when you expect things from other people, you're going to it's going to build resentment. You're going to become resentful of other people, which is really interesting, right? Because again, this is kind of in conversation with Jamie Hallman's quote around peace, right? When expectations meet with grace, I can have high expectations of other people, but I need to have grace with that in order to not feel resentment. And so in other words, kind of peace, the opposite being resentment according to confucius here and perhaps opposite's the wrong word but to be in conversation with is 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 an interesting thought process here and so expectations are interesting it seems like on the one hand expectations can be a really powerful tool where here's my expectation i'm offering this in communication and if you can't make this expectation then i'm going to have grace and we're going to be able to work through it but there are certain expectations that are like the bare minimum. And I, I'm curious when it is okay to be lax with certain expectations versus others. And how do we discern between the expectations that we want to make sure that we're holding, but also the ones that we need to be more lax on? And I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know uh, exactly what the answer is, but I'm hoping that as we read through the, the chapter uh, together and discuss it, that we will be able to kind of learn more about our understanding of expectation. Uh, but before we do, I want to bring in some theory. And uh, theory today is going to come from primarily the theory of expectation confirmation. And I'm, I'm going to provide a definition of expectation from uh, 2009 Handbook of Research on Contemporary Theoretical Models in Information Systems. Uh, they define expectation as a belief about the value of a future event, activity, or property rooted in the values of an individual that serve as an anchor for comparison. And this 
is big, y'all. This is really big for me because this is what I couldn't quite articulate around expectation that wasn't quite precise with the definitions. It wasn't even really rooted in the in these quotes. And this is really interesting because it's I hadn't really thought about it until I read this that expectation really serve as an anchor for comparison. You're comparing what you think will be to what you think should be or could be or might be. And our expectations, according to this theory, vastly affect how we move through the world. And so I want to kind of dive into that with you all and kind of talk about this theory. So Again, ECT, or Expectation Confirmation Theory, is a pretty widely accepted framework uh, that seeks to explain how people use their prior expectations about a specific thing, a phenomenon, and shape their perceptions and judgments of it. Essentially, the theory suggests and asserts that individual expectations influence their beliefs, their attitudes, their behaviors, toward events, towards products, towards services. I will especially say that this theory is widely used in the business realm and in marketing. And it's essentially, the fundamental concept is that people have specific expectations about products and services, and their perceptions and attitudes towards it are shaped by the extent to which their expectations are confirmed or disconfirmed. Now, I want to say that again. <laughs> Perceptions and attitudes towards products, towards services, towards people, towards things that they encounter in their lives are shaped by the extent to which their expectations are confirmed or disconfirmed. Meaning, when we meet new people, we have expectations about how certain interactions should go. And our perceptions and attitudes towards that person are going to be shaped by those expectations that we have and whether they're confirmed or disconfirmed. So keep in mind that expectations are based on prior experiences, prior information, known information, beliefs, and they guide us in our perceptions, judgments, and behaviors. And so... Uh, one of the things to think about here is confirmation bias, and which is essentially a cognitive mechanism that explains how we tend to seek, interpret, and recall information that confirms our expectations and ignore and dismiss information that disconfirms them, which is really interesting in this context. And so the, the theoretical foundation for ECT is rooted in social psychology, cognitive psychology, and frankly, again, as we discussed from the definition according to this 2009 book, draws on social comparison theory, which again suggests that people compare themselves to others to evaluate their own abilities, attributes, and performance. Uh, and I think it's really interesting here to also think about cognitive dissonance theory in which people experience discomfort when their beliefs and their attitudes are inconsistent with their behavior and experience. So 
All that to say is that this theory is used widely uh, in, in marketing, and it's really interesting to think about how people study what people expect so that they can make sure that when you encounter their product, it meets the expectations that you have, or better yet, exceeds them. Because studies show that when people's expectations are met or exceeded, they tend to have more positive attitudes, higher satisfaction, stronger intentions to use or purchase or repurchase the product or service. And then conversely, of course, when expectations are not met, they tend to have a more negative attitude, lower, lower satisfaction, and frankly, weaker intentions to use or repurchase the product or service. And so as I think about this chapter and all the things that we learn from Genju's perspective, I'm really excited to kind of tap into how we can understand people's judgment of things based off of expectations, because that's the anchor with which we make comparison. And that really kind of gives us a starting off point to understand what expectation is, some theory to kind of think about it. And my hope is that together we can kind of reflect on the connotation, the denotation, and this theory around expectations to see how it might help us better understand ourselves in this chapter. And so now that we have a better idea of our lens, let's dive into Avatar. Welcome back, everyone. We are about to dive into chapter one of The Rise of Kiyoshi. But before we do, I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page in case you read this a while ago. Uh, so we're going to go per our tradition here uh, and do a 30-second recap. And so I hope that you will bear with me as I do my best to recap this in 30 seconds. On my mark, get set. Here we go. Okay, so Yokoya is a podunk town at the intersection of water, air, and earth kingdoms, and it was perfect for Kelsong and Jianju, Kurok's friends, to break the rules and find a new avatar. And so they haphazardly put a bunch of toys out for kiddos, and they try, and they lied and said the kids could keep the toys, and there's got to be a better way. And then there's a lot of backstory, and lots of kiddos tried and picked the wrong toys, and they, uh, one almost got it, but demonic. And then eventually Orphan Kiyoshi is seen by Kelsong officers of toy. She immediately runs away, and then more runs away with Relic Kelsong. Kelsong seems okay with it. Oh, that's it. God, that was so... I went a hair, hair over. There's so much. There's so much. Uh, I, you know, 30 seconds to cover over 3,000 words. Here we are. We did it. We're done. And that's a wrap on the 30-second recap. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. It is time to turn to the chapter. Let's dive in. So the first thing that I want to talk about when I am thinking about this chapter, chapter one, the test, uh, through a lens of expectation, is what we learn about Janju's expectations. And I 
think about like how we can apply this theory that we learned about ECT. And if we apply this here, we notice Janju's judgment of Yokoya and his commentary on this this port's mediocrity, the mediocrity of the spiritual sites, the laziness of the people. And I think what it does for me is it, I think the first time I read this without thinking about this, I read this and I sunk into Janju's perspective and believed that Yokoya was a podunk town that didn't care about these things. But this time reading it with this lens, I was able to be like, okay, this is Janju's perspective of this town, not necessarily a an objective perspective on this town. And uh, it's really interesting to think about whether, you know, how reliable is the expectations and therefore the judgments based off of those and what they communicate. So it like I, I feel like this says more about Janju than it does about Yokoya. And so it, we are we are learning what Janju cares about, what he's paying attention to, what matters to him. And that's really interesting when this is set up this way because we hear about this perspective and these expectations and it sets us up to have similar perspectives. And that's what makes storytelling so good is when we can really capture that. And I, I think that, you know, FCE does a really good job here, but we also get a really good sense of, you know, the expectations of the narration and the narrator here. So that's that's really neat. I, I think one of the things we also get from, from Janju is his perspective on Avatar Kuruk, which is really neat to think about. Like, you know, thinking about the making and breaking expectations that Kuruk did, like uh, Janju specifically mentions that the only time he was ever early for anything was when he died at the ripe age of 33. And, you know, it's interesting to think about, like, this contributes to the narrative of Kuruk being a, you know, laissez-faire, not caring avatar when, you know, of course we learn differently as this story develops. But it's an interesting way that this kind of contributes to that when we are given the expectations based off of Janju's perspective. And so, you know, I, I think another thing that I'm paying attention to in this chapter is how the expected methods of finding the avatar and those failing make a big difference in how the world approaches this and how the Earth Kingdom feels and how they can find the Avatar and whether they even have hope that the Avatar was reborn. Um, it's it's interesting because they, they tried what was expected. They tried it multiple times, and then they're like, okay, we have to now turn to something unexpected. And that's why Kelsang and Janju are like, okay, we're going to try a different theory. We're going to try the Air Nomad theory. And moving to something unexpected and unsanctioned even. And, you know, that kind of brings us to this this Air Nomad test, which is really fascinating because I have a lot of thoughts. Like, <laughs> in terms of, like, Janju's talking about the theory versus the practice and implementation of it. And, you know, the Air Nomad method, which is to have all of these toys, and there are four toys that are the Avatar relics, right? These are the four toys that, when chosen, indicate that this is the Avatar. 
And he talks about how, in theory, it sounds elegant and harmonious, but it's actually chaos. And I can't help but wonder if it is only chaos because of the way they set this up. Because they're, they're literally saying, hey, why don't you keep four toys out of all of these when they know they're going to tell these kids that they can't keep them at the end? So, like, why offer for these kids to be able to keep the toys? Why don't they say, hey, we're, we want to put you in a room full of toys. We're going to let you play for a little while. And part of the, you know, test is that you get to pick four and you get to play with those for a little while and you get, you know, 15 minutes to do that. And like, there's just, it seems like there's a better way than to say, hey, you can pick any of them, keep them. And when you choose wrong, I'm going to kick you out. Like, of course they're upset. Of course they're crying. Of course the parents are frustrated. Like, it seems like an easy fix here. So I, I really am not sure if this is uh, the way it was intended to be implemented. Uh, and I can't help but wonder if Kelsong and, and Janju just happen to forget <laughs> uh, or not know certain details about how this is supposed to work. Uh, I'm really curious what other people think about this because this seems like such an easy fix to me. But I don't know. These are two adult men uh, who don't have kids that I uh, wonder if they had any sort of uh exposure might be might be different in the way they approach this um of, like you're just dashing the hopes that you set up for these children you are giving them expectations and then you are breaking them immediately like it's no wonder <laughs> that when like when you set expectations up and then you don't follow through with those expectations people are going to be upset right and so that's a an interesting <laughs> framework for expectation here um another one is this felt easy to overlook, right? In the sense that, like, it's easy to overlook Kiyoshi, like, when Kiyoshi's literal body uh, is against the expectations of what a quote seven, what a seven year old should quote look like, right? Uh, should being the key unoperative word here. Like, should is very indicative of this is what my expectation was or is, and it needs to be. It should be this way, and I expect it to be this way. And when that's not true, of course I'm going to be upset because that's not what I expected. Um, which, again, that goes to this the ECT theory, right, of we are more likely to be annoyed and frustrated if things are against our expectations. And so I, I think that, of course, Janju's like, that's not a, of course she's not it, because she goes against my expectations. And so part of me wonders, like, all of the problem that happens in this book could have been avoided if Janju perhaps had a more open mind like Kelsong. I, like, I wonder what would have happened if she was greeted differently, if she was it just feels like this could have been completely overlooked and, and changed with a different outcome if uh, we were able to check our expectations and, and really be more open. But it's hard because expectations help us, you know, make sense of the world. So it's a, it's a tough call. But given that we're talking about Kiyoshi, I also think it's interesting to talk about how, like, it makes so much sense that Kiyoshi upon you know, being orphaned and then being mistreated and not cared for, it makes so much sense 
that she would run given like she's gonna take take the money and run so to speak and you know she was likely watching this take place and she was likely watching people get denied and she was watching these kids going through and being told no after a few toys and here she is being like okay i have one in my hand i might as well run right again if we had changed the expectations around for these kids i i wonder what would have happened if if kiyoshi had different expectations and had seen this run differently which kind of brings us to the end of the chapter there's there's two things here that are that are interesting janju has this flashback and you know he watches kiyoshi run away with this relic and has this flashback and it's really to me indicative of like the weight of his you know burden of responsibility that he feels he must carry in in light of kuruk dying early like because he was his friend he has to do the work and you know it feels like his body is making connections to the feeling of failure here and i am i'm wondering i guess my question here is does the body recount this this flashback does this flashback come up because it expects a similar response I, I sometimes i wonder if our bodies uh have these moments and bring us to certain memories because they're like oh this reminds me of how i felt in this moment and if my expectations is that you know when I incur in experienced something like this the first time, this happened, and I want to prepare myself for it not to happen that way in the future. And I think that's why sometimes our, our body brings certain memories back in, in light of certain information and why certain colors can even inspire certain memories to happen. And it's it's interesting how, how memory works in that way. So I don't know. I wonder if our, our body has some, ex in you know, subconscious memory that uh helps us grapple with what to expect in certain situations in terms of preparing us and the the final thing that i will comment on in terms of how i'm thinking about expectation here is thinking about kelsong and you know kelsong contends that you know <laughs> rather janju's like oh my gosh you're so calm like how are you so calm in light of one of the relics of the avatar that has been you know a relic for years and years and years and kelson's like eh, it'll find its way back eventually and i i wonder if this is an ingrained expectation that is kind of outlined by like air nomad philosophy like eh, things will happen as they're supposed to eh, everything will be okay like this kind of again laissez-faire expectation or a radical acceptance like it, it does remind me of this you know zen expectation or, or buddhist expectation um which is interesting I, I wonder if you know the philosophy or you know spirituality of the air nomads kind of has cultivated this expectations that everything is as it should be or will be as it should be eventually um i find that to be an interesting question and i wonder if other people are thinking about it and it's, it's just interesting like it's a lack of expectations of of things going right leading to his ability to be calm here like he didn't have like this is how it's supposed to be and therefore it's like oh well this is how it went down i guess that's what's supposed to go down and i don't know it's interesting i, I wonder 
what that does for him because it does seem like his you know blood pressure is certainly not as high as it uh, might be if he had a different uh, composition so to speak but that was a lot those are a lot of the, those are the things that came to my mind when I was at, thinking about expectation while reading this chapter and I'm sure if I read it again there would be more that came out but those are those are what came through after kind of reading and grappling with the chapter a few times and I hope that uh, if you have any thoughts that you'll share them with me on all of our social medias, BNB underscore pod, you can join our Patreon and we can have some discussions there if you'd like. Uh, I would love to, to check it out. We have live episodes for patrons uh, once a month. We are diving into Atlas season three, episode one this month, which is really exciting. I'm can't believe we made it to season three. I, that means we've been doing this for live episodes for, for a couple of years now, which is wild to me. But we have a really core group of, of patrons that come and listen to those live episodes. And that's been a lot of fun to do. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for them. And I'm hopeful that uh, if you're interested, you'll, you'll join us. And with that, that'll bring us to our final segment, uh, which is gratitude. Always has been, always will be. Uh, I think. And uh, for gratitude today, for those of us that are joining for the first time, since this is the beginning of kind of a new thread, is uh, we always kind of end by picking the character from the, you know, media we're talking about. So if it's an episode from the episode or from the chapter, in this case. Uh, so who is a character from this chapter that we are grateful for and why? And for me, I am really grateful for Kelsong, and I, you know, I kind of spoke to this already, but I, I think that with Kelsong, there's just this assumption of responsibility. Like he's like, I will set up all the toys. Janju will do it wrong. I will do this. He has a deep empathy for children. He's really paying attention. He's kind to this orphan child. He's just generally generous <laughs> patient he's just with parents all day long he's not yelling at them like janju is it's just a a very different way of being and i'm, I'm really grateful for that kind of presence and i i think that you know janju is better for having kelsung as a friend here and i think we see here why and what he does and what that voice of calm can do so i'm grateful for kelsung and i'd love to hear who you're grateful for in this chapter um, but for now, uh, that kind of brings us to the end. Again, I will mention that we do have a Patreon that you can support us on, and I hope you come and check it out. We'd love to, to have you. There are multiple tiers of, of things you can receive from us, and we have quite a number of patrons that join us for our live episodes and uh, all kinds of other things. So check it out, BNB underscore pod, and I am thankful for you for listening and i hope that you enjoy this episode and come back for more until next time be well and do good